All right. Hello, everyone. It's Chef Ryan Callahan, and welcome to The People Behind Your Food. As you know, we always have fabulous guests, and this week we have a fabulous friend of mine. His name is Chris Gall. He is actually new to the restaurant industry. He's only been working in it for two years, and I feel that his uh, input is super important because as a new person to the restaurant industry, he's not super jaded and salty like all the rest of us are, and he has a fresh new perspective on what makes the restaurant industry unique and what makes it great. And we get to ask him questions about why he decided to join our fabulous industry and what he sees that other people don't see. So hello, Chris, and welcome. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? It's going great. So uh, that was your nice little intro for you. I hope I didn't get anything wrong. No, it was awesome. I felt great, like rock star. Yeah, it's it's super cool. We should like play you in with like play-in music, you know, like da-da-da-da-da-da. da 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 I was kind. Of, I was kind of hoping for that. I had like some stuff queued up in my phone. Maybe if you interview, I get some cool punch-ins. Maybe I can uh, throw that up there. <laughs> we can get like some guy in a drum set go every time you tell yeah. a joke. You know, soundboard is all I'm asking for. But you know, I'm not picky. Whatever. <laughs> Next time when we get a budget for this show, I will definitely find a soundboard. So hey, I'll donate some money. <laughs> right. Take so uh, so let's start with the get to know you questions. All right. Are you ready for these? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so uh, Chris Gall, how old are you? 24. Okay, what's your favorite movie? Star Wars. Okay, uh, your favorite TV show? Game of Thrones. Okay, what's your oh. favorite? Oh, oh, do you have a do you have a oh, Star Trek too? I guess yeah. Star Trek, that's a great choice. Yeah, it's it's a toss up, and then it's a toss up amongst many series of Star Trek, but yeah. Can, Continue. I think my favorite Star Trek right now is Deep Space Nine. I just something about the characters just really connect with me. Dude, Captain Cisco is man. It's like ah, uh, he's he's like funny like Kirk, but then also commanding like Picard. Yeah, he's like a perfect perfect captain. Really enjoy his character. And then yeah. of course, as soon as he gets over to the Mirror Universe, you know he's like the ladies' man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, what's your favorite music? Your favorite style of music? Your favorite band? Whatever you like. Um, love funk, love metal, love rock, pretty much everything. Got a uh, Rush tattoo and a uh, Led Zeppelin tattoo, but I uh, have to say, like, um, right now, probably my favorite band is uh, Toe. It's this Japanese progressive metal band. It's, they're fantastic. They've been out for a long time, but great band. That's awesome. So then uh, the fun question do you, are you are you you know because like millennials always pay different ways. Are you a cash guy? Are you carrying around a big wad of cash to pay for stuff? Or are you a card guy? If you're a credit card, debit card. Hundred percent card. I, I wish I was more cash, but nowadays it just uh, it doesn't even make sense. Like I, I hardly touch money. You know. Right. What's the point? You know, like why would you get paid in a direct deposit and then go pull twenty dollars out of your ATM? Oh yeah, it's like I'm not in high school buying drugs anymore because I can use my debit card at the dispensary. Oh yeah, the, uh, where I got where I, I live in Colorado, where I get my weed. So, <laughs> so what's your uh, favorite type of ice cream? Uh, uh, my favorite type of ice cream is definitely pistachio or coffee. Okay, what's your favorite food? Um, risotto. <laughs> um, it's such a difficult question, isn't it? Yeah, dude, that's so tough. Because for me, it's like not even like what's my favorite food. It's like what's like my favorite dish because sure. like, my favorite food is like all in that dish because it's my like protein it's my starch it's my like you know my greens and some sort of sauce 
little bit of garnish or something like that. You know, it's that perfect thing. But um, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, I'll just, I'll just stick with risotto because that's like probably like my favorite favorite thing. All right. So do you like dogs or cats? Are you a cat person or a dog person? Dog person for sure. Okay. And then where did you grow up? So I grew up in Colorado. I moved here when I was five. Uh, I lived here for the last uh, 19 years. Nice. And then you still live in Colorado now. <coughs> Is that correct? <clears throat> yep. Yep. Okay. And then, uh, so let's dive in. So I feel like we've got an idea and a handle on who, what your personality is like and who you are as a person. So we can kind of understand your answers a little better. So let's start digging into your past, right? Your experiences in the restaurant business, in the, your experience in the restaurant industry. So tell me what got you involved in the restaurant industry? Um, you know, let, let's start like your, your path. How, where did you start? Did you, did you know that you wanted to work in the restaurant industry or, or where did you come from to end up in the restaurant industry? Um, so I guess I grew up uh, with my dad. He's a fantastic cook. He won uh, numerous amount of chili cook-offs uh, back in California. Um, and he, he was just always cooking amazing food. And I remember one year, for, it was like my 12th birthday. And every single time I had a birthday party or whatever, uh, he would always make chocolate chip pancakes for all my friends the next morning. And like, you know, because we do a sleepover or whatever. And um and uh, that year, like, and I had like, I didn't even plan it. I didn't like talk to my dad a week before. It was just like that morning. I was just like, fuck it, dude. It's, it's like spatula flip, spatula flip. Like I got this, like, let's do this. Right. And I was like 12 and, uh, and I was like, dad, like, I want to make, I want to make it today. And he gave me, he gave me the batter, told me what to do. He was like, read the instructions. And then uh, you should, he like made his own little like spice. Basically it was like uh, cinnamon, brown sugar, nutmeg um like a little bit of pumpkin spice and just like all like the good things like that and he was like just like throw some of that in there and that was like the first time i ever like put a spice into the food um and uh you know i kind of just like grew up after that like really feeling because like the the feeling that i got from feeding my friends that morning was just like it's like yeah like it was good and yeah like I, that made me happy to feed all those people and then so from then on i took every opportunity I could when I could, um, when I knew I wasn't going to fuck it up, uh, more importantly, I guess, to, uh, to cook for anyone I knew, just, to, just to, to get better, and not only them, but like myself, and really kind of fell in love with cooking. And then after, I was going to go in the restaurant industry, but I got uh, married and then kind of got freaked out about um, money, and so I was like, fuck it, I'm not going to become a chef, I'm going to go for the time of year, and I did that for a little bit, and then got a divorce and was like, screw it, I'm going to go smoke cigs outside and, you know, yell at customers for ordering a, a hamburger for, you know, with a, no hamburger and no bun and uh, no uh, no sauce and just lettuce and tomato and, you know, that kind of stuff. So it started with this passion of this loving, like loving food, being interested in it, and then the instant gratification of watching somebody eat your food and be like, yes, I'm super happy <laughs> right now. And... Watching them go from being like, you know, that's the same story I always tell. First time I ever watched a customer eat my food. I was like, they went from being really unhappy to really happy. And I feel like that's a very similar experience that you had, you know. And then, of course, yelling at customers is awesome. <laughs> right. Um, I, yeah, I had been in retail long before, so I never got that opportunity to actually be like, fuck this ass. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, 
But that's uh, that's what happens in the kitchen. That's what we're saying back there. If you ever wonder, nothing personal it has nothing to do with you. Honestly, <laughs> like, I would have ordered the same thing, but fuck you right now, man. Right? Yeah, exactly. It's just it's just, it's just the thing. So um, so what are you doing in the restaurant industry right now? So what what would you say you do? So I'm a line cook, but. Um, uh, I've been uh, tasked with a lot of responsibilities. Uh, my, on the weekends, I manage the smoker for Avery Brewing Company, um, our tap house side, anyways. Um, and and you know, I'm kind of just like a uh, floater uh, for the, predominantly. You know, and, like while while we're getting hammered, like I'm on the line doing what I need to do, and then while we're on the downtime, you know, I'm backing up for people and trying to get things going. Um, there are a lot of people who are like designated floaters and I kind of just like help out when I can just because um, I love to help people. I think it's kind of obvious about my origin story and whatnot. Um, but uh, it's but yeah, so that's kind of like what I do. Work the line, hit the smoker, but then I'm making beer batters, cornbreads, rice, like whatever anyone needs help with really. Cool. So uh, is there like a dream restaurant you could work at or is are you in the position that you want to do? Um, yeah, the dream restaurant. I want to work at my restaurant for sure. Um, it's uh, one day I want to be my own boss, and I'm gonna be really happy with that. And uh, it's not nothing to do with like ego, just mostly to do with just I love food so much, and I just want to be the guy who who's making the call. Like this is this is gonna be really good, and and, I, and I'm gonna always have a food truck, so that's kind of my dream. But there's going to be a lot of um, jobs in between there um, and a lot of really good chefs that I'm going to have to learn from. Like, uh, I had the pleasure of working with uh, Jose from Black Belly, who's, like, top chef winner of, like, season five or four or something like that. Um, and that guy is just a wealth of knowledge. You know, Chris Blackwood at Avery, uh, he's been in the industry for, like, 20-plus years, worked at Jack's Fish House. Uh, he did, that's pretty, pretty impressive. Um, so it's... I'd say, like, anywhere I go, there's a chance to, like, hit those, like, dream points of, like, learning, I guess. Because that's the real point of going to a restaurant and cooking for them is to learn more. But, um, yeah, when, I mean, like, you know, like, if I had to put it down, like, Black Cat, it's kind of a dream restaurant for me. If I get to the level, you know, maybe, or, like, or Oricana, for that matter, become, like, a pastry chef over there. That'd be really fun. So, now, I know you went to culinary school. Did you cook before going to culinary school, or did you go to culinary school and then start cooking? Um, well, like I cooked uh, a little bit, but not not a whole lot. My first real job was a dishwasher. Couldn't move up to the line. I helped out every now and then, but it just like we were like really understaffed, and it just like didn't work. And then um, I went on tour with the band that I was with. Quit Avery um, as a dishwasher, and then went to the. Uh, pizzeria that I worked at where I learned how to do a little bit of like um, like basic Italian uh, dishes like carbonara. We did uh, linguine alla vodka um, and uh, like you know a bunch of cool stuff. Handmade pastas. You know we didn't like hand toss the pizzas, but they're a wood oven or a wood fire oven, so it was just like really good flavors. It's like really close to true Italian cuisine, um, and then. Things kind of went haywire there when then I decided to go uh, to this culinary school and like actually figure out what was happening with all the food. And so, so was it that desire to figure out what was happening, the mechanics of cooking that made you want to go to culinary school? Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. Um, it was difficult some days because like, you know, I'd be like sitting here and I like did I like I like was just panicking because like I was like I barely knew how to properly do it. Um and like I knew what to do, but it was just like after going through school and working um the line in a busy restaurant for a little while, it's just like it's given me such a plethora of knowledge of how to how to exact certain dishes, how to where to take corners if you have to take a corner and what's an appropriate corner to take and what's fucking the, or messing the dish up, mm-hmm. you know, so. So would you recommend that people go to culinary school? Um, 100%. You know, it, it'll take you your life to accumulate the knowledge that you learn in a year to three years. Um, and I think, and not, not really, but, um, I think the biggest problem with learning in a kitchen setting and the reason why I went to school was um, even with when you get like a really chill boss, there's, they're, they're there to cook their food. They've worked there their entire life and they're ready to just like get their job done and do a scene for the restaurant. They, they don't mind like giving you some pointers here and there, but for the most part, it's, it's a lot of do it on your own. And what I've learned from uh, working with a lot of different chefs who's gone to culinary school and who hasn't gone to culinary school. The ones who haven't, you know, use a lot of improper techniques and because, like, those chefs that they worked under weren't necessarily always on them and didn't see them or <clears throat> who knows, maybe, like, they didn't work certain stations and so they have, like, proper tech, impro- proper in technique, proper improper technique um, into, like, certain areas you just like you know like you know you see like cold pans being used for sautéing things you like see you know you know, one you know like guys picking up raw chicken with their bare hands and brushing it off on their apron and you're just yeah. like you're just like i and there's like nothing like one time you know like there's nothing you can do at some point they're just like they're going to deny it because they they think they know better than you and they don't care what they they did it so obviously they don't care sure you know and so um I think that's like the difference between a culinary cook and a cook who's just learned from chefs. You can do it, yeah, but it's it's going to require you to go out of your way as opposed to literally just sitting down and listening and doing it slowly until you master it. And I think that's the how you figure out anything. The, the basic uh, building of any foundation is just doing it slowly until you master it. Right, right. That makes sense. And, you know, you go in, people go to school to get a foundation, a foundational education, and then you build on it. And kind of like you talked on, you know, if you don't go to culinary school, you have to go out of your way to learn the basics. Um, But one of the things I liked about culinary school is that, like you said, it gave you the foundation. But just like if you learned on your own, you still have to go out there and actually actively learn new things, you know. And I think that's one of the coolest things about the restaurant industry is that it gives you the opportunity to always be learning and always be doing better and always becoming, you know, basically greater at what you do to begin with. And uh, so since you're still, well, you know, two years isn't super new, but since you're still new to the restaurant business, tell me some of the unique challenges that you've run into uh, being in the restaurant industry. Um, Yeah, man, like, uh, you know, you know, like sometimes like you, you know, you like you think you're up enough in because it's been like a slow night and then like all of a sudden you, you get you're sitting down like 10 tops and so um like for fried chicken the way that we do it at avery is we par cook everything 
and then I kind of have them like resting on speed racks. And then like as the uh, as the night rolls in, I like pull more and throw it in the fire, bring them up to temp, and then sell them off like that. And so uh, some nights you're you're kind of like banking on there not being enough, there not being a lot of people, and so you get put in situations where you do that, and then you're you know you're doing 15 minute, you know prep time prep times or whatever mm-hmm. and, and then the ticket becomes like a 25 minute ticket time and you just have to figure out like how to how to appease those tables how to how to pro- properly do it so that you can like you know start like blanching like blanch all your chicken breasts right away um then throw those in the oven get those guys going finish off your you know chicken wings and those little tiny things will just like you'll like pick up when you get in that like when you're in the weeds sure. and you just get your shit you know your your butt handed to you all the time mm-hmm. um you figure out those little techniques where you're like oh i can do this half here half here and half here split the time up because like when you're on fry station you only have so many baskets to drop so you have to really manage those kinds of situations um and you know like you know as a smoker you know you you figure out or you know like you're, you're you think everything's working out fine you're like that meat's gonna be awesome today you walk inside to start prepping some stuff. You come out, everything's black, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Is like, did someone just drop a nuke? <laughs> little did you, yeah. Little did you like realize that your uh, your oil valve was like closed or whatever. And so you know, and like an ember caught in there, and now the entire thing's up in smoke, and you have to run around figuring it out and like close all the hatches and like <laughs> you know suffocate the fire and stuff. Yeah. So so it's just you know. It's the, like, learning the ins and the outs. Now, you've worked at a couple different places. Do you find that each place has its own in and out you have to learn? Or was it more like, okay, I've learned a couple of different things at a couple of different places, and they're all applicable? Yeah, I think it, like, kind of depends on two things. It's, like, everything depends on the dish, and everything depends on your chef. Because, um, you know, like, we're, you were at this one restaurant, and your head chef only wanted you to do something one way. You know, it's, like... You're going to do it like that. And then, like, there's certain things where it's, like, the dish dictates what you can and can't do. So, like, with, like, fish, like, you know, it's going to be more delicate. It's going to, like, break apart. So it's, like, you know, like, depending on what the problem is, like, you know, you, you just have to, like, there's only, there's only a couple of things you can really do in certain situations. Um, sure. And, but, like, everything has its thing, you know, where it's, like, you know, like, there's this, you know, like, for plating... Um, on the plating side of things, uh, at the restaurant we do, we have this boot, we have a bootable salad where there's red beets on it. And so like, you have to like, you have to make sure that's the last thing you do. And you can always tell like a rookie where it's like, he's going like the opposite way and like his the red beets stain everything. And like on the cauliflower, it's like purple, mm-hmm. like, all this kind of stuff. And, um, and there's just like, so I think it really just, when it comes to figuring out techniques like that, it really comes to like, the dish you're preparing because there's like each restaurant will do things a certain way and you have to figure out how that way like with the tools you, you have like how you can make that situation a fixable situation you know mm-hmm. that makes so sense yeah cooking is a hundred percent adaption i think you just you just cook and adapt cook and adapt you know i'd agree with that baking's a science cooking is definitely an art Absolutely, 100% agree with that. Yeah, exactly. And um, so tell me some of the good things that you've experienced working in a restaurant business. Oh, um, probably met some of the best people 
I've ever met in my life in the restaurant industry. Um, you know, I mean, of course, there's always the backstabby kind of bullshit that goes on, but I've, I've been pretty lucky where Avery manages to pull in some really solid people. But ab- ab- above and beyond that, like, um, I'd say just the... I don't know, just like being able to do some festivals where you're like, you know, you're you're grilling, you know, hamburgers for like, you know, like 200 plus people. And like, you know, that's like really cool because then you actually get to see your customer and like, you know, you kind of like get taken outside those kind of bounds. And there's a lot of really cool things about the restaurant industry. And it's kind of hard to pinpoint just one thing, but because mm-hmm. for me, like I love cooking. So like that's the best thing that could be given to me is just like the ability to not only execute one dish but execute a dish with five other dudes or or girls for that matter and perfectly come together and and the apps are out like you know five five to eight minutes out and the entrees are out you know 12 to 15 minutes later you know it's like or you know like 15 minutes before they sat down sure it's like that's that for me i think is probably the most like beautiful thing about the that i've seen in the restaurant so it's like the camaraderie the the, the, all these people from all these different walks of life coming together for a common goal to defeat the common enemy which i always say is the customer but then other chefs and cooks will always say that it's the ticket machine two story but i mean that's the same thing you know there's the pr way of saying it and then there's the cold icy truth of (laughs) that god damn ticket machine (laughs) exactly it is you know they keep coming in and then you know it's like five o'clock and there's nothing happening there's a couple slow tickets then it's like six o'clock and the volume difference is just it's like that machine doesn't stop printing you know it's like you're like just stop just stop and you know like to the point where the noise is making your ears almost bleed do you ever feel like that oh oh hundred 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 percent um I work uh, fry a lot, uh, like Fridays and Saturdays, because um, like sometimes I'll have to like smoke and then come in, and so I'm like managing the fryer and the smoker and stuff. And we do fish and chips, wings, fries, uh, and then fried chicken sammies. And then uh, like depending on the the month or whatever, we do croquettes or fingerling potatoes, or, like some sort of like kind of potato other potato that goes in there too but right. so like if you think about that that's like and i have a, i have like two i have like uh, a two basket fryer and then like a i have like a full i have two fryers but then one's small and then one's large and they're both two baskets mm-hmm. and uh it's you know so you can imagine you, know, you get like you know you get three orders of fish and chips with like seven fry you know like probably like 10 fries or whatever and like all these other side orders and then plus this that and you get like and then you have to like time things properly too you can't just like you know because like some things are going to be more cooked than others and so you gotta like there's certain things you can mix and can't mix and right it's a lot of like time management and um kind of forgot the question but <laughs> um, <laughs> no so you were on the right track it's it's yeah. it's you know one of those difficulties with the ticket machine you just like you said you you hit it on the point before before you gave up on yourself you hit it on the point it is it is it's it's all about time management and the ticket machine is definitely the enemy but you can manage it as long as you can keep your head above water exactly so how many people do you work with in your current restaurant um i mean like a shift there's probably about like eight of us um but um 
overall uh, front of house and back of house, probably like upwards of 50. Back of house, or actually, yeah, like back of house is like 30, front of house is probably like 20, 25, something like that. Wow, that's, that's a pretty big restaurant. Yeah, we do a lot of volume for sure. That's awesome. And then, uh, you know, you work for Avery Brewing Company. So for those who don't know, Avery Brewing Company is, is a beer a beer making place. So do you get any kind of benefits out of that? Oh, it's it's by far the best place uh, to work if you are a, in the kitchen whatsoever. If you are just doing anything at Avery Brewing Company, we get full dental, vision, and health benefits. Um, or I'm pretty sure, like at least just health benefits. Um, I'm still my parents, so I don't really check it too much. But mm-hmm. um, you get full benefits. Plus, if you work full time, you get four six packs a week, essentially. So, plus while you're working, you get beer, and then anytime you come in, uh, you get free beer as well. And so it's just like, <laughs> you, yeah, like it's just you. You just don't stop drinking. Like there's so many times where I've taken pictures next to like just like walls of beer yeah um and uh it's it's the best place to work for sure that's awesome it just sounds like there's a lot of good good points to where you work because you know sometimes and i'm and i don't know if you've worked at these places but i have but sometimes you get together with like you know a restaurant that's like a mom and pop kind of place and they just don't have the ability to create a good environment because they don't even have the money to really actually pay you to be there and uh, so it's just cool to hear that you're working at a company and that you feel like the company appreciates you, number one. And then number two, you're getting something out of working there beyond just, you know, a paycheck. Oh, this is the this is the restaurant to come for if you're looking for something beyond a paycheck, because um, I don't know too many restaurants that are actually able to to like do that, you know, mm-hmm. um, because. I mean, like, you know, your, your bar, like, you know, at the end of every night, like, yeah, your bartenders will like give you guys a couple like drinks or whatever, you know, but it's, it's a totally different story. Like I, I probably shouldn't say some of the stuff I've done actually. So I won't say it. (laughs) So don't say it. um, Don't get yourself in trouble. Yeah, exactly. So (laughs) this will come back to me at some, somewhere or another. Right. Yeah. This is on um, recording, you know? Yeah, exactly. This is the, this is on those interwebs now, but, um, you know, but like it's seriously hands down one of the best places to work. Like just be- like benefits alone. Like I don't know many restaurants that are like, oh my god, like yeah, they're bending over every day. They're on their feet every day. And I'm like, you know, maybe we should probably help them. You know, besides getting them drunk enough to like stay here, you know, <laughs> yeah, which they do adequately well. Are they, they do a good enough job? So. Get them intoxicated enough to to forget about how hard today was, and we'll come back. <laughs> yeah, exa- ex- exactly. You know, because like you know, when you're in a drunken stupor, you just like get through every day. And I'm not gonna lie, Avery brews a lot of problems, but it brews far better beers. So you can <laughs> That's awesome. So at your current position uh, with Avery, so you're a line cook, and you what you're what you call a floater. So you run the smoker, you do stuff on the line, you run the fry station. Uh, what else do you do? What are your other duties besides just cooking? Oh, I mean, like, there's so many in-between, like, things to do in a restaurant, whether it's deep cleaning your dishwasher, whether it's uh, taking the garbage out, whether it's just, like, you know, organizing your shelves, like, um, like, not that, like, I spend too much time on, like, um, like, you know, that's more of, like, a managerial thing, so, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, there's other people who do those things, but, like, I definitely get um, delegated those tasks a lot, because... 
you know, we do a lot of parties. There's a lot of things that, you know, have to be done because it's not just, there's so many, there's so many aspects that Avery that have to be covered. And so it's really easy to, you know, to, to let, let slack slip and need help picking it up, you know? Sure. So um, have you ever had to, um, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a fun question. Have you ever had to clean the, uh, the hood yet? Whose responsibility is it to clean all the grease off the hood? For those of you who don't know, a hood is a big vacuum that sits above all the cooking equipment on what's called the line. All the hot, uh, hot, what we call the hot line has like the fryers and the grills and it sucks up all the exhaust smoke and all the, you know, the fumes and the smells and the grease. So, and it all gets trapped in there. So whose responsibility in your, in your guys' staff is it to clean the hood? Well, it's actually like a two-part system. Um, so every, um, it's like a night crew thing, sure. um, but I think it's still Sunday. Um, at least when I was a night crew, that's what, that's what it was. But, um, so, so basically, uh, the dishwashers will take out the hood vents and they'll, uh, deep clean and scrub that. And then the night crew is responsible for like not only cleaning the hood, but like getting into the vents and uh that's as grueling as you think it is especially when you're a tiny guy you know like i'm, not, I'm like, like i'm like five seven so i'm like pretty average height but um there's a, there's a couple of people where it's like it's like oh man i'm kind of i'm kind of happy i'm at least like average because that sucks um because yeah because it's it's like you, you have to put down the the and just hot like you've been using that all night you know so it's like it's a hot thing plus the pilots are on and like i've stood on there for a good like um we i used to wear crocs back in the day because our Avery just gave them out for like a good like four or five minutes and been like holy like like wow my feet are like pretty hot right now so <laughs> you gotta be careful too yeah um, it's, it's definitely not a it's not a fun job and it's definitely not an easy job but having health insurance makes those kinds of situations a little bit more realistic. Because <laughs> if you fall, it'll be fine. Probably not, won't be, but it'll yeah, work out. probably most likely, maybe not. I don't know. They give out free beer. I don't remember. <laughs> That's all you need to worry about. Right. So, uh, what is what are some of the unique challenges of your current position? Um, it's a tough question. Um. Like, is there anything that's particularly harder than anything else? Like, you know, you know, like taking out the trash because you guys have like a 20 foot high dumpster or doing prep in a tiny space or, you know, like what is hardest? Um, actually, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. They, um, so like, I think the hardest part about, um, our kitchen is actually the size of it. Uh, people look at the size of Avery and they're like, holy cow, it's this, cause it's, it's, it's not just another Colorado microbrewery. This is this is like kind of on the same size as New Belgium or definitely not Coors, but it's 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 big enough where you could like see it being comparable in size, kind of thing. But um, it's so the the biggest problem with that is uh, there's just so much seating and so so much ability for us to seat people right. and serve stuff. And our kitchen is the size of a shotgun style apartment and so it's like <clears throat> i think that's our biggest limitation is we make it work and there's always ways to make things work um don't think you can just rely on excuses like that uh, which is why we make you know 300 you know 
you know, seeding. I, I, I have to look up how much we can actually seed, but um, you know, which is why we can make Avery work the way we do. But it is difficult as a huge limitation that we have, um, as well as uh, when it was built, it was kind of um, weirdly built, and so like our floor drains aren't are at the top of the the, the hills as opposed to the, the, <laughs> the you know. Yeah. So like every single night, it's not just like squeegeeing the floors; it's like squeegeeing, you know, for the lost city of Atlantis kind of thing. We always joke and say it's a Lake Avery. Yeah. That's funny because I worked at a place um, back in the day that was a breakfast place and we had to, you know, deck scrub uh, the the floors and then push it, you know, into the floor drains and squeegee. And the floors were built so poorly that we ended up just having to push it out the back door because there was nowhere else for that water to go but out the back door. And, of course, I mean, when you get fryer grease off the floor into degreaser, it just ends up depositing all over the back parking lot. And uh, as you can imagine, it was just like, it was like just pure black, you know, just coming out of the kitchen. The kitchen was spotless, but that back loading area was just absolutely disgusting all the time. Oh, I can't even imagine that. Like, that's got to be such a huge um, environmental hazard, too, with the degreaser and stuff. Oh, yeah. They did like, not. No, they didn't care for it. They did not like us doing that. Like, even yeah. remotely. Yeah, totally. That's, <laughs> that's pretty rough. It is Cause, rough. Like, cause, I mean, and it really sucks. And I think that's, like, part of the biggest problem with uh, kitchens these days is, you know, there's so many people who want to do this. And it's so expensive to run an operation like that that you get forced in those positions where you buy a building that doesn't have a proper floor drain. Sure. Um, or, like, or like you get a contractor who's a contractor who's never worked in a restaurant and doesn't understand that the floor needs to be not level but and the drains need to be below grade and that water drains downhill. Exactly. Uh, I worked in a brand new restaurant and they told the contractors, these drains need to be at the lowest point in the entire kitchen. And then when they came in with the tile because they didn't cut down the, the tubing or whatever to make them sunken, uh, the, you know, the floor just ended up being pointed upwards uh, at the drain. So you're fighting, you know, you're literally fighting an uphill battle with water. And as you know, that doesn't work so well. Not even a little bit. Not no. even, no, it just, no, it just doesn't work. So uh, I don't know about you, but we always had like, you know, funny things happen uh, in restaurants. So tell me a funny story about your time in the restaurant business. I know you were telling me something about, uh, a refrigerator on your line that you used to play pranks on somebody with. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, this is one of my favorite um, things to do, actually. Uh, I kind of just, like, kind of, like, worked out one day. But so you, um, if you if you go into your low boy, which is just a refrigerator that's has, like, two panels that open up. Um, and, you know, it's just, like, a basic refrigerator with, like, an open compartment and, like, a hood where, like, you know, like if you ever been to a subway, like there's that's the that's the kind of setup they have over there. Where there's a refrigerator underneath, and there's like a bunch of open slots for food to go into the top. And so, um, I jokingly did this prank to one of my friends one day. So he comes into saute every single night shift at like right at four o'clock, and the first thing he does is open the left hand door of the saute. And like I had, I'd known this guy for like two months at this point, and I was just like. And like he, he's a very predictable guy, like his, you know, but like ace, ace of a chef, and I feel like his habits probably make up that, make that reason why he's an ace of a chef. But um, so he, he opens the door, and uh, so what I had done was I 
lifted. Um, you can either use like a sheet tray or just use the whole um, panel of the refrigerator and angle it down into the door, and then line go on the other side of the door um, that doesn't have anything leaning down in front of it, and then just start lobbing as many uh, ramekins or like bowls or something that's not going to break. Um, like onto that thing so the moment he opens the door just everything just slides down and the only thing you can hear for a solid minute is just like our ramekins are all metal so it's just like bing, 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 bing. it sounds like a machine gun going off <laughs> by far one of uh, my most favorite uh things i've done to someone for sure that is absolutely hilarious you know like restaurant pranks are almost like iconic you know it's like I, I I was growing up, I never like played pranks on anybody ever in my entire life. You know, I just was never like that. I never had friends like that. But as soon as you work in the restaurant industry, it's like you have to almost like, it, you know, like partake of the culture, you know, like otherwise you're ostracized. But like, it's just so funny that like, you know, people do those pranks when like you would, you know, you're not the kind of guy who like normally do pranks on people. Like, hey, I'm going to totally get Tim over here, you know, because he's always late when he comes in, you know. But like... You know, isn't that just kind of like a weird thing? I mean, yeah. I mean, I've always enjoyed uh, pranking people. I feel like I've, I'm actually one of those guys, like definitely deep down. But um, it definitely, like, I couldn't really do that sort of thing because, like, like when we lived together, I think, like, I did that one time and it just was, like, not okay. And after that, I was like, yep, don't ever prank them. Heard. Um, you know, so it was... Uh, you know, so it's like you have to really pick your battles, and I think that's the beautiful thing about kitchens, where it's like that is your battle every day. It's just guys who are acting like that every single day, or guys and girls even. Uh, but um, but just yeah, just like you're always in that kind of situation where it's like, you know, just so- something funny, something horrible is happening. Like uh, one of my friends like always has a plumber crack and. Uh, my other friend like sprinkles salt um, into it, you know, just as a joke, and <laughs> and it's super uncomfortable, you know, and like, yeah. and, or and then like to get back at him, he hides like all of his tongs inside the oven, and <laughs> you know, so it's like you know, and then he like hides them there for like ten minutes and throws them on like the speed rack, and then so like the moment he touches that, it's just like seared. That's um, that's so horrible. And then of course oh, the yeah. one guy's just like. Pull your freaking pants up, dude, because otherwise, I, you know, that's his way of communicating that. Right. And the other guy's like, 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 all right, like, let's do this then. Like, you want to get me? Like, all right, heard. But uh, I'm definitely getting you back. Like, this isn't the end. And it always escalates into something. Like, by the end of the night, if someone isn't, like, like, plotting, you, like, something like, you know, you guys are actually probably busy and you didn't have the time to, like, you know, pull the prank. You know? <laughs> so that's, like, the difference. So tell me, uh, okay, so I just heard you use some kitchen lingo, which was heard. Uh, how, tell me, tell me some kitchen lingo that you've learned, and how, do you find that it leaks into your everyday life, or do you feel like it's, like, changed how you speak, or, like, do you just think it's something that you just, you know, like, you only use in the kitchen? Oh, 100%. Like, it has, it is, it is who I am now, for sure. Um, <laughs> this is me now. <laughs> well, well, you know, when you spend... I mean, at least, like, even if you spend, like, six months in a kitchen, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you work with more than a few people, you'll be in a grocery store, and you'll be behind someone, and be, like, right, like, behind, behind, or... Oh, yeah. You'll say, like, anything like that. Oh, I do that all the time. Like, I'll be in a, I'll be in a restaurant, and I'll be, like, trying to go to the bathroom, and be, like, I'll, I'll be, like, passing on the right, 
behind you, you know, like hot behind, you know, like or right. whatever, yeah. you know, and I can't help it. It just comes out. Oh yeah, like she, like the other day, like I was in the, I was in my kitchen and uh, my roommate's girlfriend was uh, making something and I was just like. And I was just like sharp, sharp here, and I was just like, I'm not even like, what am I doing? Like, I don't right. Even, like, she doesn't know what that means. Yeah, like she like she'd probably turn around and then like walk into me, and walk her into the knife time. because she heard you talking to you, you know? Yeah, or, or some, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like corner, corner sharp, you know, corner hot pan, hot pan overhead, you know, yeah. like I and I do that at my own home. Like, thank God my wife has worked in the restaurant industry before, because always she'd look at me like a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. I mean, a little bit because it's just like my family. Like, I remember I was I was doing that with my family at a family reunion on accident, and then my grandma just kind of like stopped and she was like, "Like, wow, like you've gotten very blunt lately." And I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, it's already happened." Like, like because she meant it just on like my like the way that I like what I said, but like really like I took it as like, "Oh my god," like because like because that's the way the kitchens make you become is like just a blunt kind yeah. of a, like never not like aggressive but just like it's just like 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 i don't have time to be nice to you i have the time to like just say words at you and for you to respond to those words and us to be on like the same level you know it's kind of no i think i think that's an excellent point because like you it's so loud in a kitchen people don't understand how loud it is it's loud and it's hot and everybody's sweaty and tired and all you can do is just say the most core essence of what you're trying to say. I almost feel like people could learn how to communicate more effectively if they worked in a kitchen for a year because you'd just be yelling at everybody. You'd just be like, "Yeah, well, you're an idiot," <laughs> you know, like. <laughs> right. It, you know, you don't have like, and you know, I'm so thankful because like I remember like even as a child like not getting like completely not getting my order. My dad would just be like, like. Do you like we should go like let's go or like I would get like an order but it wouldn't be the right order sure and be like let's go back and exchange that and then I'd be like no 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 it's fine like so against being confrontational in any sort of sense even when I had paid for something and I deserved sure. to get what I paid for because I just paid for that you, you know? were played you were you were you were raised to be polite and live in a polite culture in a polite society but the restaurant business is not polite society it's like not even about being polite at that point it's about it's almost like we're like bomb, like we like we're like defuse bombs, you know? Because sure. it's like we don't have the time to like. Well, Greg, like maybe. <laughs> well, Greg, if I thought about it like that. Sure. I, you, you know, you don't have time to like sit there and have that kind of conversation. Um. <laughs> um well, how do you feel about the steak, Greg? You don't have time for that in the kitchen. You're like, Greg, give me the freaking steak. Like I said, ten minutes ago, mid rare. Where is it? <laughs> this is not a mid well. You know, I mean, like you know, you just gotta like. Yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's like people get that fascination with Gordon Ramsay, where they're like, oh, he's just yelling at everybody. I'm like, he's not yelling. He's communicating efficiently. <laughs> I mean, Gordon Ramsay, I feel like definitely up plays it because like. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, I'm were, sure there's chefs where like you're just like lobbing like dishware. It doesn't even matter. Like, there's no budget. It just sure, just fuck yeah. you. That's yeah, all. No, no, right. <laughs> there's there's no budget to my anger. My anger just gets broken things. Well, like I had a buddy who worked in a, a hotel casino setup, and their budget was a million dollars for smallwares. You know, like plates, napkins pans pots tongs and because the casino had to spend a certain amount of money for the lo- for the local municipality to approve the casino 
for the local economy's benefit, right, quote unquote, they had to spend a million dollars in small wares just to open this restaurant. So this restaurant had cases and cases and cases of just plastic water pitchers. And we're talking about like a 45 person restaurant. We're not even talking like a 300 person restaurant. And so when they closed, they didn't sell everything. They literally gave it away. So the guys who were in the kitchen were like walking out with like kitchenware because they had they you know, the kitchen couldn't, you know, they, the, the casino couldn't sell it because it was right. like this, this special tax thing. And That's so it's insane. funny because most restaurants aren't like that. The, the budgets are so close. And yet guys in the kitchen are always breaking stuff all the time. Like I'm sure you've seen by now somebody take a, a saute pan when they're angry and slam it against something several times, you know. Um, close. Not yet. We, uh, I think that'd be like, there's, there's a lot of servers who are a little bit, uh, gentle where I work, but, um, yeah, uh, yeah, close enough to that for sure. So, um, okay. So here's some more questions. So we've had other people on the show, you know, who are tipped employees. How do you get paid in, in, uh, in a kitchen? Are you working for hourly? Are you salaried? Do you get a bonus? What, what kind of, how are you making money? Um, so right now I'm making uh, thirteen dollars. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not I'm making uh, about like fifteen dollars an hour, um, and I think about like average is like anywhere from like thirteen to maybe like sixteen or so. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if 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 I was making, um, uh, uh, if I was making a salary, um, I probably would be getting ripped off or something like that because it'd be I'm sure it'd be like twenty five thousand, and it'd sound nice because I'm getting a salary, but. I wouldn't actually be making any more money if I would be making less. Yeah, so you're so you so you're getting paid hourly, and you feel like if you were getting paid salary, you you know you'd be making you'd be they'd be like, well, you're getting paid a flat rate. We're gonna get 50, 50, 60 hours a week out of you. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's like one of the major things you have to worry about. Uh, there's a restaurant that just opened up, and in four months it closed down, or it was like four or five months because of how poorly it was run. Um, one of my friends, who's a, my lead line right now, was the Sioux over there. And uh, yeah, he was just saying where it was like, you know, he like got the job and he was like, this is gonna be sweet. I'm making like, I think it was like, you know, like 27,000 or something like that a year. And he was like, this is gonna be really awesome. And he's pulling out like 70 hour work weeks. Oh like, man, that's, that's like bleed my eyes. <clears throat> oh yeah, I mean, he was in the end of it, he was making like, I think it was around like $10 an hour. And so you really have to, I think that's the biggest part about restaurants is it's so hard to make any money that the number one thing that any independent restaurants can do is um, kind of gouge you a little bit and do everything they, they're going to do everything they can to make money. And that includes kind of skimming the corners for your paycheck for sure. Yeah. Well, and you know, the margins, it's like 10%. You might make 10% of your entire gross in a restaurant because the restaurant industry is so competitive that people don't even know that like if you get 10% off your ticket that person didn't actually make any money on your order like the owner did. they're just getting you in there to like try the food and hope you'll come back and pay full price you I know mean, I mean basically yeah when it comes to labor food cost overhead and every single other factor that goes into uh, like plate cost um yeah you're like when you when you put uh, 10% on something like that yeah. unless like your food margin is just like ridiculous sure um it's it's gonna suck so for sure. what would happen uh so paint me a word picture here uh, this is one of my favorite questions to ask and i feel like we're in a spot in the interview where i feel like we're, we're kind of wrapping things up but what would happen if there were no more line cooks in the world? 
Do you think that's feasible? Do you think that's a future that we could see with robots being line cooks? Or do you think that, you know, there will always be line cooks? Um, I think to some extent there will always be line cooks, but there is certain jobs that cooking will require. I mean, it already is automized. If you look at any restaurant right now, granted, I always praise Chick-fil-A and uh, places like that that produce perfect 165 chicken every single time, and it's just perfectly cooked, you know? Um, But... Uh, like like those restaurants like could eventually like really easily become just like one giant robot because you don't need it's like those machines those fryers they're buttoned and they have like buttons on everything like every single piece of chicken is looks probably exactly the same they they cut off certain like so much that it's just identical the next one so everything sure. can be perfect um, but when it comes to the places like Gordon Ramsay or Black Belly Flagstaff. Uh, Black Hat, like any Arcana, any of those places in Colorado, you'll never have a robot replace those jobs because there's something that a robot can't do, which is passion. And food is so much more than just food. It's so much more than just art. I think it's it's one of the best expressions humanity has um, because it's it shows our very. It's like you know the you know your most barbaric level. You have your peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which is just for like you know you know like you know, survival needs or whatever, you know, like your meat or like, you know, some rice, whatever. But, you know, at your highest level, you have like, you know, risotto with like, you know, filet mignon and, you know, uh, demi-glaze with a garnish of, I don't know, like, you know, <laughs> parsley or something. I don't know, who knows, whatever. But, sure. Um, you know, I think, I think that like, I love, I love food and I think there's so much expression to be had inside of food, whether it's plating the food itself or just... Like, I don't know, just, like, color you can do. It's just... Sure. It's There's something about it that a robot could never replicate by any I I agree wholeheartedly because, like, in mass production food, like, you know, you really could have a... You could have a robot make cheeseburgers all day and all night. You could. You really could. There's not a lot to it. Like, McDonald's cheeseburger. It doesn't need hand touch for that. You know, there's they're already an assembly line to begin with. That can be mechanized very easily. But I think when you get into more artisanal foods, like Italian foods or even Chinese food, you know, it's hard to bring in anything that's got any kind of complex plating to it, any kind of artistic design. It's going to be hard to teach a robot or any kind of AI, for that matter, like perspective, you know, or, or stacking or looking at color differences and what makes a what makes a palatable color or, you know, like how do you explain to a robot what something smells like? Or how those smells make you feel emotionally. And that, I think, is where the art comes in. Because I think a lot of times when you sit down and you eat, you're not just looking for nourishment. You're looking for so much more. You're looking for an experience. You're looking for a personal connection. I, and I just think that that is one of the reasons that the restaurant business is, you know, it's, it's completely and totally the most horrible thing on the, on the face of the earth. But at the same time, it is also, in my opinion, one of the most rewarding places in the face of the earth because you're making people's lives better and i think that's a good thing oh 100 you know i used to i used to be in uh horticulture and um i worked for this one guy who said that <clears throat> you know it's um you know like you can buy your, your wife some flowers for sure and it's gonna sit on the table for you know a week or so and that's gonna be really nice so you just see that every day and that's really nice um but 
if you make your food every single night like that, it's just like you need that. You're gonna have no matter what you do, you're gonna have to eat food, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you can express like pure beauty through your food, the other person really tastes it. And whether it's your wife through that you're trying to get some brownie points with, or your customer that you're trying to get a paycheck from, it's it's a thing of beauty to be shared and had, loved and experienced worldwide. Whether wherever there is a human, you know. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think that with food comes love, you know, and it's like food is love. It, it, it's so primal. You have to eat. Everybody has, every organism has to ingest some kind of nutrients from somewhere. But I think the human eating experience is so unique because of the way we taste and we smell and we see and we experience food, but not just that, but because of how many cultures there are in cultures, foods, and you really want to understand a culture. You need to, you need to taste their food, eat their food and then listen to what they have to say in the environment that they live in, because the food is 100% dependent on the environment. You know, if you grew up in a desert, you only can eat so many desert foods. And so like these, you know, like I live in the Midwest, we have tons of water, you know, and trees and stuff everywhere. So getting an apple is not a big deal. But if you're in the desert, getting an apple is a big deal, you know? And so I really think that you can learn so much about people and cultures and traveling the world just by trying their cuisine. And I, and I, you know, I don't know. We're totally getting sidetracked here, but I really think we hit on a vein there. It really is a thing. There really is a thing there. And it, world peace is as simple as everybody having a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> God bless. God bless. Um, so yeah. let's let's switch subjects for just a second, and because we got the last last two questions uh, for the interview. So who would you say on your staff is irreplaceable or indispensable, and why? Um, you know, it's, um, it's kind of tough, uh, but you know, it's, for me, the the most difficult thing about it is, it's just like, it's like football, you know, you could talk about Tom Brady, but in the end, he's nothing about his line. Line. Um, you know, you can talk about the offense, but they're nothing without the defense. And for me, it goes from my chef to cuisine to my dishwasher where it's like, I would I, I mean, sometimes I have to do those jobs, and I know how difficult it is. And so that's why, for me, it's we are the machine, we are the the thing. And so that's why, for me, I it's like we with one of us falls, we all fall. You know, we only are as strong as our weakest link, and as cliche as that is, it just rings true because that's what really kitchens are. But um, I think what everyone hates the most about you know, like, you know, if someone was gone, it's probably the dishwasher. Yeah. Because there's nothing you can, there's nothing you can do about dishes piling up, but just look over and go, after I get done getting utterly, royally destroyed by tickets, I'm going to have to spend the next four hours after service and do that. Yeah. That's my night. That Sick. would be, that would be, uh, I've had to do that. I mean, you know, I, I've run places that where you end up, the dishwasher gets sick or you just, disappears and who knows why he's abducted by aliens i don't know and they never come back and uh and then you just end up doing like you said like four hours of dishes you're like sure is great you know everyone here's all these servers going home because they got all their money made and uh, oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know they did you know they did and you know they did and uh it's funny because servers are always saying you know the guys in the kitchen make more than servers and that's just not true it's just not true and not even remotely you know, I mean, it really depends on your restaurant, but yeah, because what happens is like, 
you know, you you overall make the same, like you overall like make money at the same rate, but they have like their entire summer where it's just like, they're raking in so much money. Like yeah. every night it's $200 plus they're, you know, like what they're actually getting paid to be there. Where for us, it's like just 200 plus dollars. You know? Sure. Yeah. So, and you're getting the 500 in your check every week and that's it. There's no opportunity yeah. to make more money. So <laughs> I guess we're down to the last question, which is, uh, are you going to stay in the restaurant industry? Are you not? Are you, is this your calling in life? What is your future plans here? Oh, 100%. Um, I love food. I don't think I could do anything else but play music, play food. You know, um, food is so... I will, well, even, even beyond the food, like kitchens itself, just the culture that it brings is just something that I think is just really, really memorable and worth being around. Um, I may not stick around in um, certain kitchens for so long, beginning on like certain people, but it's whether whether it's a bad time in the end, it still becomes a good time when you look back on it because sure. there's a lot of a lot of a lot of camaraderie in the kitchen. I like it. So you're you're gonna stay in the restaurant industry because you feel it's the right place for you and it's where you belong, and I love it. So with that, that wraps up our interview with Mr. Chris Gall. And uh, I just want to say thank you for coming on the people behind your food. Uh, so for those of you who are listening to this podcast on any of our services like iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, Google Play, or on my website, ChefRyanCallahan.com, I'd just like to remind you guys that I do have a pretty awesome Instagram page, which is at ChefRyanCallahan. There are underscores uh, in that username. And then Chris, do you have a website or a Instagram you'd like to plug? Yeah, definitely. Um, if you want to follow some of the stuff I played or my band, um, you can see some of my posts at what underscore the underscore gall, G-A-L-L. So it's at what the gall. <laughs> yeah, I love what, it. Yeah. So anyways, Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Did you have a good time? Yeah, man, I had a great time. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been uh, awesome talking with you about food. It's awesome. And so thank you, everybody, for coming on to listening to the people behind your food. We'll be back next week with some awesome interviews. You can always check ChefRyanCallahan.com to see what's coming up next.